So we're in week two of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And this uh, actually had to interrupt a couple of other podcasts that we already had lined up. Uh, but I really have to say that this is such a moment in history. And it's worth exploring for so many reasons, uh, because it says a lot about us as, uh, as Americans, as human beings, and for that matter, our civilization. What I'm really fascinated about Ari is that we have Putin doing what Putin does, right? Putin, I, th- I, I equate him or liken him to a, um, a rattlesnake, right? A rattlesnake does what rattlesnakes do. Right. If, if you put him near somebody, he'll bite you. And, or if you like, you can say a crocodile, a lion, a, a scorpion, uh, a tarantula, whatever. Though, that's what those particular animals do. They are not uh, safe. They, they will never be safe animals. Right. So Putin is, is Putin. That's, that's his nature. He's got a, an ego the size of uh, Manhattan. He's got uh, very bizarre uh, ideas of the way what, what, what Russia should be and what it was and all that stuff. So he wants to expand Russia and the empire of Russia. And until recently, he was contained, just like you might contain a scorpion, a lion, an alligator, a rattlesnake, whatever. But, you know, Ari, if, if, if somebody opened up uh, the, you know, a lion's cage by the zoo. If the zookeeper opened up a lion's cage, right, and then that lion showed up at my house and started eating my family, right, I, I wouldn't be angry at the lion, as it were. I'd be angry at the zookeeper for letting the lion loose. I think that's obvious, right? We'd say, "Are you crazy?" And we'd sue the with the zookeeper. We we wouldn't sue the lion, right? We would, you know, put the lion down, of course, but we wouldn't. You know, hold them responsible. This is what lions do. And the zookeeper is the one who decided to let the the, uh, the lion loose. So here's where, where I'm going with this. Biden let this lion loose, didn't he? He created the situation where Putin got to be Putin. Thank you. Hannibal Lecter, if you want, right? I mean, there's, there's a famous scene in, uh, I forget which movie, maybe it was just Hannibal's or whatever it was, and he, he's, he's captured, he's, you know, with that mouth guard and everything else, and he's tied up in, in the way that he needs to be tied up because they know how dangerous he is, but he manages to get out because some guards, you know, stupidly decided to let him out. They were deceived, but you get the idea. And then, of course, he creates his mayhem. And you got to get be upset about what happened with the guards, right? So that, that's the way it works. Hannibal Lecter does what Hannibal Lecter does. Putin does what Putin does. And now we're, we're also surprised and we're saying, wow, what, a, what an evil man this guy is. Okay, yeah, he's an evil guy. I agree. But there are evil men everywhere in the world. Evil men even with power. But even if they don't have power, they, it's, it's so funny because... If, if you had some psychopath killer and you released him on parole or didn't even arrest him in the first place, such as what we're seeing nowadays in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and many other major cities, uh, then you're surprised that he cr- commits this mayhem that he's going to do. That's what psychopaths do. And it's the same thing. 
I, I just don't get it. Think of it like this. Putin is smashing and grabbing, right? If you don't enforce the law for criminals, they will smash and grab. And that's exactly what's happening in CVS and Walgreens and all sorts of other stores throughout this great country of ours, in the major cities at least. It's, it's inevitable. They see the opportunity, they take it. So why is Putin any different? Ukraine is his smash and grab. Am I wrong? All right. So I, I, want, I want that to be very, very clear about this. And, and the fact that Biden is now somehow taking credit for what I perceive to be, so far at least, the successful repelling by the Ukrainians against the Russians. I, I think that's pathetic. I mean, he actually created the situation. It's like the guy who uh, decides that he's going to not take care of the forest, you know, leaves it completely dry and tinder and everything else. Then, of course, there's a lightning strike and the whole place goes up in flames. And then, the, and then he goes out and tries to put it out. Look at me. I'm a hero. You created this situation, Biden. You. No one else. You cut off the Keystone Pipeline. You cut off Nord Stream. And then, and then you're, and, and many other things too. Oh no, you allowed Nord Stream. Allowed, sorry, allowed Nord Stream, right? And, and then you're so surprised that that Putin correctly thinks that we're so desperate for Russian oil that he has us by the you know what, and therefore we'll do his bidding or let him do his bidding as he pleases without any interruption from our part. You created this, Biden. And this never would have happened under Trump's watch. That goes without saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the part that I'm still amazed by is that anyone would elect Biden zookeeper, right? <laughs> or dog catcher. Yes. I mean, well, you know, we know that actually didn't happen, but wow. And, um, you know, and then he gives a speech yesterday full of his normal I don't even know what to call this incoherent, you know, garbage uh, disguised, disguising itself as political rhetoric. Yeah. And, and nowhere in there was there any coherent thoughts of any adjustments to curtain directions that could possibly alter outcomes in a favorable way to the West based on what those in the West and those creating narratives say they want the narratives to be. Right. So if the narrative is, we want Russia out of Ukraine, well, well, one would think that one would put financial pressure on the Russians for that to happen. And I don't mean sanctions or something or, you know, the inability to report Louis Vuitton products or something, but I mean pump your own damn oil. Yeah. Right? And also, if global warming is considered this massive security threat and it's global, does it really matter who extracts the oil and who combusts the oil, it's going to get extracted and combusted. So why is he profiting for it, from it and able to make war with that money when we're not able to? Okay, so that's very fair. And by the way, of course, not only is it, oil is not oil, right? There's the different countries process their oil and crude oil, at least, in very different ways, uh, some in an environmentally responsible way and some uh, not. You mean like Russia? Like Russia yeah. and China. So... Uh, anyway, the point is that, look, I, I think you're 100% right about this. Uh, they seem to 
believe, and when I say they, I mean the Democrats, uh, generally speaking, Biden, of course, they seem to think that this is somehow a contained issue, that they have somehow participated in the repelling of Russia. They have not done so at all. Uh, they did not give Ukraine any serious money, uh, and they certainly did not give them very serious ammunition until very, very late, only very recently, well after the war started. Uh, they should have given them tons of ammunition. But you know what? They should have given them the same amount of um, ammunition and weapon, weapons, uh, weaponry uh, as the amount of weapons we left in Afghanistan for the Taliban. How about that? Well, All right, 80, $85 billion worth. Would that be a reasonable amount? Could, could, uh, you know what? I will even take, we'll, we'll even take uh, let's say $10 billion. Instead, we're offering $350 million, which is a drop in the bucket. Uh, certainly a lot more than I make in a whole year. Uh, then you and I combined, actually, Ari. I think, I think no, it's no, no, even no. more than that. you. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish. The point is, it's, it's a pittance. It's pathetic. You, you, you couldn't give the Ukrainians much more than this. Now, thank God, the uh, Zelensky, you know, he's so brave. And he really, you know, he's like the George Washington of Ukraine at this point. His uh, stamina, his, his confidence, his... Um, Resolve is so strong that it was really emboldening of the whole Ukrainian people. I think it galvanized Europe to support and made Russia look all the worse, which is wonderful. That's great. But this could have been avoided altogether. Had Putin known that America had been funneling all, these, uh, all this military equipment to Ukraine well in advance, uh, then Putin would have thought more than twice. And, of course, that situation never happened. Instead, now... Putin, this is all about chess, of course, at the end of the day, right? Where, Where he, you put your pieces? Yeah, he, he's created a fact on the ground, Putin, right? He's gone to war about this. What do you expect Putin to do now? So th really, there are only three solutions to this, as, as far as I can see. If you, if you see something else, let me know. But here's, here I go. One is that Russia decides that it has to continue this, prosecute this war, which I, I, don't, think, I don't see them retreating. Uh, so they continue to prosecute it. They pulverize Ukraine in the most inhumane po way possible, vicious beyond all get out. And uh, they eventually take over Ukraine, which is a very possible scenario because they, they've shown that they don't have any, um, any checks on themselves in terms of how they fight prosecute a war. That's, that's option number one. Number two is that the war does not go very well over time, and somebody decides to put a bullet in Putin's head, and it's a coup of, of some sort, and Russia completely reverses itself as a result of that. Uh, we've been held by a madman named Putin, and we are now going to reverse course, and we're going to join the community of nations and welcome, welcome Russia. That's possible. Okay. Um, every dictator has to worry about being shot in the head at some point from, from people from within. The third option is that they try to do some sort of uh, resolution, uh, a compromise. And I'm not talking about a compromise like, well, you know, we'll take the eastern provinces of Ukraine and we agree that, you know, we won't attack further. And I don't think that's going to happen, Ari. I think what they would need to do, the only way it could work is some sort of resolution like what happened in the Cuba, Cuban Missile Crisis, where... Their agreement was that the Russians would pull out of Cuba <clears throat> and make Kennedy look tough, 
uh, and browbeat the Russians. But in fact, what really happened was that there was a quid pro quo that we agreed six months later to pull out, that we would pull out six months later all of our nuclear weaponry in Turkey, which was in the neighborhood of, of the Russians. And that would be that. And the, the, the crisis would be over. I think that sort of settlement, that sort of resolution uh, where Russia could save face somehow, I, I have to tell you that I think that third option is the least, the least likely scenario. I think it's option number one or number two more likely. What do you think? Is there another option? Uh, to me, it's, it's somewhat irrelevant in this regard. The, the actions that Putin took from his perspective and his side of the chessboard had to happen now based on Biden's stewardship of, of America and whoever would replace Biden in the short term, meaning Kamala Harris or whatever. It's, it's going to be an assuredly weak America until January of 2025. Thus, basic Sun Tzu uh, art of war logic is go now. And the other thing that I see is, well, based on the completely um, uh, feckless response by the aggregate West in this case, if I'm Putin, I go into Estonia, Latvia, and uh, Lithuania right now, uh, take a big chunk of Poland, and, you know, uh, but Belarus is, is allied with Russia, so it's a separate country, but that, that country basically is on Russia's side, and take a big piece of Poland, piece of Hungary, you know, that old, I want peace, a piece of this, a piece of that, a piece right. of this, and go and go and go, because you know the West has no resolve. And there is no military option right now for the West because what are we going to do? Send in a bunch of poorly trained women to lecture the Russian army on pronoun usage? Okay. You know, so, yeah. Vaccinate them? They're, they're... Okay, okay, okay. So now I understand that. But uh, look, I, I agree with everything you say that it's, it's about fecklessness, I suppose, at the end of the day. I don't, I don't see how. I mean, this, this would be the opportunity for Biden to, knowing that the tide is somehow turning against Russia, and I think it is, I'm not, I'm not, talking, I'm not even talking militarily, I'm talking about from a social, from a worldview point of view, Germany's against Russia, everyone's against Russia, great, 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 NATO is unified. This is the moment that Biden can really seize and dump a huge amount of money and munitions and weaponry into Ukraine and get ahead of the parade, so to speak, and say, because of me, we were able to repel Russia. And he doesn't do that. Yeah, but isn't there another... Oh, hold, on, hold on, Isn't there another regional power that sits somewhere in the <clears throat> middle of Asia that doesn't have a problem with Russia's actions? The... Uh, it... Um, Starts with a C, and um, a virus came from there. Oh wow! This is really uh, this is really difficult to to figure this out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So China, of course, is uh, is a factor in all this, but that doesn't change the uh, the equation of what I just said, which is, and you, you've got to dump as much weaponry into Ukraine and then declare a victory, and then and then turn around to China and say, don't even think about it, China, when it comes to Taiwan and otherwise. But that's not happening. That's just not happening at all because Biden, of course, is, you know, had he had that sort of foresight or ability to think vis-a-vis -vis what I just said to, to make that, it means that he wouldn't have let this situation happen in the first place. 
But as you, you know, like, you always like to call them wrongest, Ari, and I think you're right about that. But you once said to me that, you know, that they, the conspiracies end because every single action they take is always on the wrong side, right? Yeah. Biden is a personification of that more so than any other politician. He seems to have been on the wrong side of not only history, but every policy issue that ever was, even even small bills that seem to be not, not of any consequence. He's always on the wrong side of it. And so sure enough, here he is with Ukraine. Uh, he was on the wrong side in the sense of, you know, dealing with and preventing Russia. Just, just, just do what Trump did. That's all he had to do, which means to not, you know, keep them guessing, first of all, and, and not you know, playing games with the, the Keystone Pipeline and otherwise, and otherwise uh, destroying our, our, uh, our independence on oil and somehow then following everything, uh, allowing Putin to do his thing, right? Not creating the circumstances to allow Putin to, to uh, create the mischief that he's now doing. So that's one thing. And then, and then on the other side of it, when he could so easily take credit for it, he doesn't do even that. It's, it's really remarkable to me. Now, the question is why? How is it that somebody like Biden, and for that matter, his, you know, his cronies, his, the Democrat Party, generally speaking, his advisors, how is it that they can't figure this out? Because it's so plain as day to me. To me, and, and then I want to hear what you want to say, Ari. To me, it's, it's godlessness, yes. That's, that's what it is. At the end of the day, it all circles back to godlessness. But because without God, you, you have no sense of direction. Everything is, there's no sense, there's no order, there's no logic, there's no place of, you know, no sense of getting from point A to point B. Let, let's just say for, for the sake of discussion that Biden agrees that putting Russia in its place and, and keeping it in its place, rather, is a good thing. Okay, good thing, why? For, for what purpose? For America's interest? Is that the reason why? I don't see it. Because why do you care about America? You, you apparently hate America. You said it as much on so many speeches about racism in America and how corrupt we are and how capitalism is a bad thing and so on. So for what purpose? I don't even think they know why they should be fighting Russia, why they should be backing Ukraine against Russia. I don't think, ultimately, when it comes to Taiwan and China, that they don't know why. I mean, putting aside all the financial incestuous relationships that are going on between Hunter Biden, the Biden family, and otherwise, put that all aside. I, I, I still don't think they understand why Thailand, uh, Thailand uh, Taiwan matters at all. They don't get it. And that's because they have no sense of direction. Well, I think you hit upon it at the end of it. It's the incestuous relationships of the bribery. Joe Biden is not president of the United States. He is a liaison of the enemies of America. Of America. He takes money, huge amounts, from Russia. He's doing Russia's bidding. Overall, he is, right? Oh, I'm not done. He does China's bidding. So he's more than happy to have them go into Taiwan as long as they keep paying him. Okay, so, you know, it's... Uh, you know, there's, so there's problems all over the world. There's a huge paper trail of all these people who are bribing the Bidens. Biden has never been on the side of America. He's profiting in some way from everything with this. And you made the point earlier about Afghanistan, about taking a, a percentage of the weapons left behind there and sending them to Ukraine. Well, what about the whole idea of when you're after 
idea, you know, potentially seeing ahead of the curve if you really gave a you-know-what, if you're Biden, and you take the, the material that's sitting in Afghanistan now and you send it to a place like Ukraine before you withdraw. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was such a good point. And you made the point about chess. Okay, Putin is here playing chess. Well, we're here playing chess, too, but more like a pigeon. So we're crapping all over the board, knocking over the pieces and strutting around like we won. That's what Biden did last week. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fair point. Look at our chess move. Why is all that material in the hands of the Taliban and not in the hands of the people who need it right now? Yes, yes. That's a, that's a, actually, I love your metaphor of the pigeons playing the chess. Because normally speaking, people say, oh, you know, he's playing chess while we're playing checkers. You know, you hear that all the time, which is, it's an apt expression, uh, but it's a little tried. But that, that the pigeons actually play on the chess. That was rich, and I love it, and because I think it's actually more accurate than the checkers uh, analogy. So, very good about that. Yeah, I love that speech last night. He's, he's, he's strutting around like he won. He's, it, it's two hours of, we're brilliant, we're so good at our job, when it's the, the fact is it's the farthest from. Okay, so yeah, it's like he wants the W for this, um, and and he's like he he's gonna be like Bill Clinton who who took credit for welfare reform when he you know having fought it so hard uh, in the nineties. Anyway, so look, your points are so well taken, but everything you said, as accurate as they are, the the big penumbra, if you want, the umbrella issue is godlessness because you're right, he he is totally corrupt, but somebody who had God in his life and really loved America the way that you and I do, would never do this sort of uh, quid pro quo exchange and the corruption uh, with China. He, he doesn't see anything wrong with, with all his dealings with China. I don't think he thought for a moment that anything he's doing is wrong. This is just business. And he's being smart. And by golly, uh, you know, Hunter is, uh, is an artist now, you know, <laughs> making millions and millions in, uh, off of this crap that he's producing. So... Um, but they have no compunction about that. And the only reason why they have no compunction about it is because they, they clearly don't believe in God. They, there's no God in their lives. Yes, yes, they go to church once in a while. Yes, yes, he claims to be a Catholic. I get it. That's just, it's all a ruse. He does, he's not a real Catholic. Don't, you cannot convince me for a moment that he's a real Catholic. And I know many of my Catholic friends will agree with me. So, because uh, you know how deeply I love Catholicism. I love Christianity. I love people of true faith. Uh, but that man is not a man of true faith, not, not whatsoever. So everything he's doing, the corruption reflects his godlessness. Uh, and that's why he doesn't, I, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't even get the idea of what's the problemo uh, of China invading Taiwan, for example. Uh, you know, he, he's, he understands that people are concerned about it, but I don't think he knows why. He's like a colorblind guy. He, he was, you know, and you're trying to explain colors to a colorblind guy. You know, this would be bad. Or this is red. Well, what is red? What does that mean to me? What does green mean to you? I don't know. It means something to you, but it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't think he has the ability to see uh, morality. I, I, I just doesn't ha He's a psychopath in that one way, right? It's a major uh, way. I, I it affects know, us in all. In every way. In every way. No one goes in. I had a friend once who said a great saying that I thought was so clear. He said, I hate two kinds of people more than any other. Corrupt cops, corrupt politicians. Anyone who goes into public service to publicly serve themselves is evil beyond belief. And you mean corrupt cops? 
Huh? You mean corrupt cops and corrupt politicians? Yeah, in the case of Biden, corrupt politician is is the perfect example. Is you know corrupt cops who plant evidence on innocent people who railroad them and then profit on it. Unbelievable, right? I mean, in in a way, to their credit, that's a point that Black Lives Matter has in its favor. They're not wrong on that, right? When when they say you know there's a problem with policing, because there occasionally is. But when you have a politician who, as a careerist, is the Michael Jordan of corruption, and he is, he's very good at one thing, bribery on the receiving end. I, I don't know another politician, save for the Clintons. The, the Clintons don't even come close to this guy. Uh, the brazenness, you know? And so I, I disagree with you. This guy isn't a psychopath in one way. He's a psychopath flat out. Okay. I agree. Okay, no, so fine, fine, I, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good to say that it's a psychopath flat out because generally speaking, psychopaths are psych- psychopaths in every endeavor in their lives, right? In every aspect of their lives. He is uh, a psychopath in the sense that he has no sense of what morality is. And, you know, like David Wood is a famous psychopath and he acknowledges his own psychopathicness or whatever the noun is. Uh, he, he understands that and he... Having found atheism, as well as being a psychopath, uh, he decided that he's just going to kill his dad. Not because he disliked his dad, mind you, but because he had no sense of morality, no sense of understanding what is right and wrong. And he went about to try to kill his dad. uh, And he wanted to do it in the most brutal way possible. He took a hammer and sledged his dad's head. Thankfully, the father is still alive, uh, still lived. But in the process, uh, David Wood went to jail. He discovered Christianity, realized what he did was horribly, horribly wrong. He had to learn morality, okay? And he said correctly that a psychopath ha- is unable to see the difference between right and wrong, good and bad. He, he, he just can't see it. In the same way, the colorblind person cannot see colors. He, he made the analogy. And he understood that. And he said, you know, this is not the topic of this discussion, but he said that um, America is now actually breeding a whole generation of psychopaths uh, because they're telling, uh, the education system is telling the the kids to only think about themselves, right? And and they don't belong to anything else. And all that matters is you, you, you. And P.S. There is no God, right? Recipe for disaster. Yeah. Oh, so P.S. Individuality doesn't matter. Only your ego matters. Right. So interesting, right? It's it's only the ego. So that's what it is with with Biden and and his family um, and people who think like him. I suppose he just I I think he just doesn't understand good and bad. He he doesn't understand, for that matter, the that America has a role in the world and for that matter, history that that America is good and what liberty means. I don't think he understands what liberty is. I, I I don't. He has no idea what freedom means. Why? Why do we fight for freedom? He, I don't think he he said very much about freedom in his speech at all yesterday. He might have get passing with it. Yesterday, his only passing mentions of freedom and liberty was freedom. Freedom. You don't have the freedom to kill right. someone. Take the vaccine. Right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, that they have freedom from hunger, freedom yeah. from work, freedom from whatever, freedom from disease. I get it, but no, that's not what freedom means, not the American kind of freedom. It means something far more. But he doesn't understand that because he doesn't have God in his life. And uh, that's, that's a dangerous conundrum. People talk about the presidency and they say, well, I want him to be a family man. Oh, I want him to, uh, to not have any, uh, you know, he needs to be pristine and clean. To me, the first question I ask is, and first, 
the only thing that matters to me is, is this man a person of God? Does he really have God in his life? I'm not talking about paying lip service to it. Anyone can pay lip service to it. Psychopaths can pay lip service to it. Hitler paid lip service to, to, uh, to God. Uh, and by the way, he did so very poorly, but he did it very rarely. But you get the idea. They don't, um, they're psychopaths, and that's plain and simple. And if a president is without God, I say watch out. Because at the very best, he'll, he just won't recognize evil when he needs to recognize evil. You, you can't possibly be a good leader if you don't recognize the evil that you're supposed to be fighting, right? I mean, that, by definition, it's like not knowing, oh, you know, who are we fighting? I, I, oh, okay, good, uh, whatever. But Biden reminds me of that kid in the high school that is always going, you know, dribbling to the wrong basket, Right. You know, and, and he, but he does it every single time. And no matter what he's doing, he's, he, he never, when he gets the ball, goes to the right basket. He goes to the wrong basket. And that's what we can expect from him from here on out to the end of his presidency, God willing, uh, no later than um, January 2025. Okay? God willing. <sighs> We've got some real issues with this guy and this Russia-Ukraine situation, one which he created the, the line that he himself let out. And now he's trying to take credit for it. That's what's despicable about it. Yeah, I want to make one last point perspective-wise. Then we don't know what kind of, you know, if you will, Cold War scenario we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the superpowers have not come into this kind of brinksmanship in a long time. And to consider, based on the age that I grew up in, the 70s and 80s, how much blood and treasure and effort was expended to win the Cold War. And in one presidency, this, excuse my French, asshole, this moronic shithead asshole just throws it all away and creates the possibility of a new 50-year Cold War. I mean, with horrendous costs in the future, possibly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's as simple as that. It's, um, It's very easy to destroy, very hard to build. And we took decades and decades to build the uh, new world order where the Soviet Union collapsed, which is wonderful. Uh, But it takes only literally seconds to destroy all that great building. Much the same way, like I I always say this, uh, truth is like a forest. It takes uh, years to, to grow and minutes to burn down, right? It's very easy to throw a a match into the forest and bye-bye forest. That's it. And that's what Biden is doing through his incompetence or his, you know, deliberate actions. And uh, and a little bit of both for that matter. But for sure, his godlessness, and I really mean it, his godlessness is leading the country into ruin. uh, And he's leading Western civilization into ruin. It is only a matter of time before China decides that this is the moment to seize. It will seize it. Um, I, I frankly, I think, I think they're, bi- they're biding their time, as it were, uh, waiting for this Russia-Ukrainian situation to conclude one way or the other, and then they will strike. And I, would, I will assume, I will predict that something on a fairly large um, magnitude will happen against Taiwan by China uh, within the next year, a year of this podcast. Okay? So... Could be wrong. It might be 13 months. It might be two years. But I'm predicting from a military point of view, from a strategic point of view, that the bad guys, meaning China, 
will decide this is their moment. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the State of the Union address, which occurred just last night. Oh, God. It was, oh, God. Yeah, exactly right. It was pretty pathetic. But the one thing I wanted to point out, there are so many weird things that went on with that. But the thing that, to me, most illustrated the strange mental state of our president is when he talked about inflation. Now, he had to talk about inflation. His advisors told him, dude, you got to talk about inflation. You can't ignore that. Because it's a reality, and that's fair enough. So he brings up inflation, but he says something to the effect of, yeah, there's a lot of inflation going on. It's hurting everyone in the pocketbooks, and that's not good. But I have a way to fix inflation. What is that way, Ari? Well, I'll tell you what he said. He said, just reduce costs. That's it. Problem solved. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. President. I... If only we thought about, you know, does he expect all these business leaders to turn to each other and say, you know what, good idea. We're just charging too much for gas. We should charge less. Well, but that's among many other things, right? But so so precisely how do we do that, Mr. President? Like, tell me how I reduce my costs. Let's say my law firm, right? How am I to reduce my costs? Do I call up the telephone company that I use and say, okay, guys, you need to... Stop charging me so much. Yeah, Biden told me to ask you to tell you right, right, that. Exactly. Do I do I then decide to check out all my, you know, sell all my computers and buy crap computers instead from, you know, 2001? Uh, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, what else am I to do? I thought the whole point of the economy is that it's good to buy things and it's good to invest in your infrastructure. In fact, we give deductions for, uh, you know, doing things for your business. Uh, so suddenly we're supposed to reduce costs. You know, the, the reality is the way to reduce costs uh, is, is to fire people, right? So let's say you're a pizza owner, okay, a pizza company. I always use that as an example. So how, how does a pizza owner reduce costs? The, the cost of cheese is going up. The cost of tomato sauce is going up. The cost of bread is going up, right? The cost of delivery is going up if he delivers. So what, what, what is he to do? He, he can either buy crappier cheese, crappier expired tomato sauce, for example, or he can fire people. Is this what you're proposing, Mr. President? Because I don't know any other way that you can reduce costs unless you have some sort of genius idea. Because if you do have a genius idea, you certainly didn't relay that in yesterday's State of the Union speech. Yeah, and how about you uh, stop giving government handouts to all these employees so they return to work so companies can produce more and so there isn't a shortage of goods and services in the economy so that the, that would make the prices go down. Right, exactly. Pe- How about people, that one? People, uh, yeah, exactly right. Oh, they, wait a minute. They, it's because I know a thing about the economy, and that idiot doesn't. So, yeah, he, he basically incentivizes people not to work. Uh, and, you know, I just want you to know, everyone, that uh, we have a little kerfuffling going on right here because Ari has decided to bring his very cute dog into the podcast. Very cute. He's about a year old, very, very sweet. And, and is he looking the dog more than the dog is looking him? Yes, it's a little bit disgusting. But, oh, God, I can't believe I'm... These, these conditions, I can't say it's a little bit distracting, Ari, I must say. But it's only because I love you and we've had so many years working together that I, I let this go on. But it, as we speak, folks, his dog is literally French kissing Ari. It's, it's quite weird. All right. Anyway, so he's not, now he's going even further just to prove the point. Okay, you don't need to go that far, Ari. Right? Anyway, so going back to the um, the speech and how 
we're incentivizing young people to not work at all, not even young people, anybody. And it's called the great resignation, right? So they decide to quit their jobs because they perceive correctly or incorrectly that they're better off um, staying at home and just receiving checks from the government. So what is an employer to do who, who is looking for people to work for him? Well, now there's a dramatic shortage of people who are willing to work. So you got to up the ante. You have to increase your salary offerings so that people will come join you because they'll say, well, it's worth it for me to make 10x of what I'm receiving at home. And now I'll start working. Well, okay, now, now the, the employers are offering these exorbitant salaries. Where do you think that, how do you think they're going to yeah. What are they going to do with that? You know, they're not going to charge the same prices. That, of course, leads to more inflation. To say nothing of the gas situation where they're cutting off the Keystone Pipeline and other sources of energy that are anything other than solar or wind, right? So surprise, surprise, that leads to more inflation. And then you have the supply chain problem, which uh, Biden is doing, doing nothing about it, which leads, of course, to more inflation because everyone's desperate to get a car or whatever it might be. So I, and his suggestion is to reduce the costs. And we're all supposed to, again, look at each other and say, wow, thank you, you know, Poindexter. I, I, I never thought about that. See, that is brilliant. And then he dares to say in the same speech, I've talked to 17 Nobel laureate economic, uh, you know, philosophers, and they, they all agree with me that my idea is great. Reduce costs. That's his idea. Absurd. Yeah, and uh, let's put this in historical context uh, with the Biden regime. If you go in the Wayback Machine, you remember Biden said when asked about these government handouts, I want companies to compete with the government for a, to pay a living wage. They're not paying a living wage. Yeah. Take your vaccine. Look, man, think about it. Argle bargle. Vaccine. No, no so All right. he's, okay. he created the construct where this then happens, and then he has the audacity to tell us to reduce costs. Of course. I mean, so what they, the hell? He creates the very circumstances of which he now complains, right. is what you're saying. And now he offers the solutions to the problems that he has, himself has created. And the solutions, of course, which would never work in any universe, you know, even if you do believe the multiverse, it just doesn't work. And this man is, uh, off his rocker is too much of a cliche, but you get the idea. He, he, he just, I, I, I don't know what to say. He, he, this is his first State of the Union address. I guess the first one is not really quite the State of the Union, but this is the first one, and he's kind of wrapping up the whole scene. And he didn't, didn't talk about Afghanistan at all, about the disaster. I don't blame him, frankly. Um, the, he barely talked, he talked about inflation, but only in the most obscene way possible. He talked about saying, we need to make everything cheaper. We need to make everything free. And people are clapping like, like seals to this thing. And, and you, of course you have to ask yourself, how is he going to make this seal? Uh, how are they going to make these things free? How? And how is that fair? They're the party of fairness, supposedly. And somehow we're supposed to give free education for all the universities and uh, so, so who's going to be paying for that? How is that fair? How is it fair that somebody who didn't go to college, who has, is making bank on, on his own, let's say, a plumbing business, and he's paying taxes, and he's got to give taxes to give free university to people who, when, when he could never have gotten anything like that in the past? Who then will graduate and go on the government dole? Right. Of course, it always is that way. They will go on the government dole or at the very least complain about the government and complain about America, generally speaking. And you're also incentivizing people to go to university when they, 
when many people shouldn't be going to university. But if you make it free, well, then why not? I'll go to university. You know, some people should go to trade schools. Some people should you go to community college. Some people shouldn't go to college at all for whatever reason. It, it, it's not a must for everyone to go. And also, you can succeed dramatically in America without ever having stepped foot on a sing, uh, one university campus. It's okay, folks. But they make it seem like it's the same thing as uh, health. You know, it's, it's essential. It must, you must have it. Anyway, folks, uh, it's, it's really disturbing what we're seeing from this uh, president, this godless president. And I really mean it as a serious issue. Godlessness cannot be a, an operating system of any president, not, not because they're necessarily evil, but because they can't see evil. And that is essential in any leader. Well, all right, folks. All right, thanks for being here. This is Brock Lurie signing off. God bless. And we'll talk with you next week.